0: Hello, I'm Micah Woods, Chief Scientist at the Asian Turfgrass Center. This is ATC Office Hours. I'm here with guest Andrew McDaniel. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Micah. Thank you for joining me here on ATC Office Hours. I have to say that this particular topic about what happened with the organic matter in the grains at a golf club where you're the golf course superintendent and assistant general manager is a topic that I've wanted to talk about with you for a long time ever. Well, on this show, ever since I started the show. And so I'm gl- so glad that you're here today and able to, um, talk with me about it. And when we got back your results from the samples that you collected in February of 2022, I was like, now we need to schedule a show because I'm sure that it's not just me and you that are interested in this, but I think these results will be of interest to a lot of people around the world. So this is a live stream. Um, I'm going to put the chat overlay here if you have any comments depending on what platform you're watching on this uh, should be on YouTube on Facebook on LinkedIn on Twitter I think at least on LinkedIn Facebook and YouTube if you type a comment in the chat there it should display perhaps with a 20 or 30 second delay up on our screen here so everybody can see it and we will then respond to those comments uh, or questions if they're uh relevant to to what we're talking about today so please do that if you have some questions um so this the topic of of today's conversation is what happened with six years of om246 total organic matter management at kea golf club do you um yeah, I mean, you've been there since 2013, Andrew, mm-hmm. and you didn't do that at the start.
1: No, when we first went in there, I think both of us were thinking, "Okay, we got to rip these things up, put a lot of sand in there. Uh, any hole's a good hole." Kind of thought process, and uh, so the first two years, that's I think that's kind of what we we pushed, and then <coughs> we have two tournaments and it just got to be kind of difficult to to do all that with two tournaments in the peak season of the year. So we started backing off and, and focusing more on getting the surface prepared for those tournaments. And then we ended up not doing so much And the conditions actually started improving We're like, wait, this is, this is nice. Maybe we'll just keep doing this for a while and see what happens. And that kind of just brought us to where we are today. I think.
0: Yes. I, I think to add, uh, it's warm season grass, so you don't have, you can't do anything and get any recovery in the winter. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at, uh, I mean, anything that you would do in terms of punching holes. That that would be of any substantial size in order to let sand into the soil into the root zone. I would say anything that you do from september 1st um it, it wouldn't recover
1: yeah maybe even august yeah
0: maybe even august because this is Zoisia, which um although it's known as a big thatch producer it's also um not not known for being a rapid growing grass so you've got you've got the conditions of you've got a grass that is a uh well adapted to that climate produces a lot of organic material supposedly Mm -hmm. Um, but it it's a slow grower so it's something that Andrew (laughs) hadn't managed both of us had managed a lot of zoysia Andrew uh, a lot more than me I I guess maybe I'm more of a zoysia observer although I I've been working with that grass for a couple of decades but Mm -hmm. Andrew had worked with a lot of zoysia entire golf courses of zoysia except on putting greens you'd managed Bermuda grass and bank grass on greens and from 2013 you're on zoysia so you got a grass that doesn't recover much I mean rapidly at all right and then you got there in 2013 and it's like wow these things have a lot of organic matter and I was recommending rip them up get as much sand down as you can and to do that you had to put some fertilizer and so on and you could make it good for the tournament, but it wasn't quite responding the way we wanted in terms of firmness uh-huh. because the surfaces weren't, e- even though you were doing that in 2013, 2014, uh, they weren't getting quite firm. And it wasn't until, like you said, it wasn't until you cut back on the, on punching holes that the firmness started to increase. All right. All right. So I, I put together a couple slides, um, uh, that i'm gonna show to give a real quick background on k and put it in context in terms of where it is in the world and show a couple pictures from there and then i've got the charts that show the latest uh organic matter om246 results um i'll bring those up on the screen and and show this i've now i've recommended what what this is showing is a thumbnail from a YouTube video that I've recommended people uh, watch as a preview to this it um, this is going to be a a video that you can watch on demand sometime in the future it's also going to be a ATC office hours podcast and this is something that uh, I'll put a direct link to in the description so that you can see it if you haven't already it's a video that I put up last autumn and this is the thumbnail and it says greens sand top dressed only once this year, meaning in 2021, watching ball reaction after 827 millimeters or 32 inches of rain. And this was the, as Andrew mentioned, they have a couple of tournaments every year. And the last week of August, they have the KBC Augusta tournament. And in August last year, up to the tournament, um, Well, from from the start of August until the end of the tournament, it rained uh, 827 millimeters or 32 inches, which is enough to keep the soil saturated. Mm. And and I I was really interested to see how the golf ball would react on greens that have that much uh, water in 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 the root zone when the greens had only been sand-topped once during the year. Because this is atypical, I guess, for how turf grass, for how putting greens tend to get managed around the world. Although for me, um, it starts to seem normal now because I see the types of results that you get. Um, So unfortunately, we've been doing this for enough years now um of just top dressing a little bit not really coring Mm -hmm. um that it starts to seem normal for us to just have good greens all the time right but it was still quite interesting for me what's going to happen so i made this video i'll put a link to it if you haven't watched it yet i highly recommend it it's only eight minutes and that is something that i recommend watching and that's kind of what we're going to talk about is is the the ball reaction was really good and we'll look at the organic matter and see how that changed kea golf club is located in japan in western japan i've got a map here on the screen that uh, shows a a world map and it shows where kea golf club is located in western japan and if we zoom in on japan kea golf club is located on the island of kyushu in the northwest corner a little uh, not too far from Busan in south korea it's and if you go east from kea golf club you'll get to hiroshima osaka and eventually over to tokyo so that's where kea is located it's a golf course that's about oh almost 60 years old is mm-hmm. that right andrew
1: All right 58 i
0: think 58 years old so kind of a, a a classic i mean not not golden age back 1920s 1930s era course but it's 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 kind of a classic golf course in Japan that's had a tournament for a long time and it's it's really a beautiful course that just did a extensive bunker restoration reno- renovation project led by Paul Jansen and this is the 11th hole looking away from the ocean after the bunkers were renovated and, and locations adjusted. I think this is a photo credit to you, Andrew. Thank you. That's a, that's a pretty one. It's It's a really beautiful golf course. And on that same hole, if we would stand on the putting green and look back down the fairway, you can see the ocean in the distance, and that—well, um, it, it's not really in the distance. It's just, uh, just <laughs> a, a pitching wedge away from that tee. Uh, and there are a number of places on the property where you either hear waves crashing or you—you you can see the ocean. The ocean doesn't come into play. You'd have to uh, really miss it right on number one <laughs> to to get onto any sand dunes or anything. But it's uh, it's really a nice nice location for a golf course so that's where Kea is and as i mentioned as andrew mentioned there's a lot of tournaments there there's uh in a, you had the japan amateur in 2018 although yep. that that got rained out um, <laughs> uh, after the first couple of rounds that was some really intense rain that year there there does tend to be a lot of rain so uh the greens need to be in a in a uh, condition that they can handle uh, tournament conditions uh, even when it rains Uh and last year in 2021 it rained 32 inches before the tournament so that was a huge amount of rain anyway they you you've got a tournament coming up in uh you said in a few weeks don't you three weeks
1: yep sure do yeah so
0: what's the typical tournament I mean, in addition to regular play, member play, operating the golf course as a business, you've got, uh, what's your typical tournament schedule?
1: Okay, so starting from this year, we have a tournament in March, end of March. Uh, Then our next big tournament is usually the mm, second week in June. And that's like, uh, mm, I guess you would compare it to maybe a corn fairy tour in the States. Not quite as big as that, but similar. Uh, second-tier pros, basically. And uh, then at the last weekend of August is is our big tournament that we've held for these maybe thirty thirty some thirty something years now. Yeah, thirty six years.
0: And that's the KBC Augusta tournament. Augusta. That's right. And so does yeah
1: the june tournament and the august term is our peak season of, of growing weather so that's a uh, really intense
0: time of the year and it's a bit of a challenge to fit in any type of core removal or sand injection or any surface disturbance because you're trying to minimize growth in order to optimize the putting conditions and you can't really like you don't want the grass growing for recovery. You just want to have a surface during right. those seasons.
1: Right. So the first couple of years that at our June tournament, like the day it was over, we'd start punching holes and then verticutting and then just top just a mess out of them. And, and then start trying to grow them back in for the tournament, but we'd get a pretty good smooth surface about three weeks, nah, maybe two to three weeks before our big tournament. And it was just we're just cutting it too close. So that's where we we started thinking maybe we just need to to back off and and just concentrate on the surface instead of ripping these things
0: up. Yeah, and I I think what happened in 2015, if I remember right, like 2013 was awesome. I was so impressed at the transformation in those screens from uh the time I'd seen them in May. I I was well, there in 2012. I was there in the spring of 2012 before you got there and I was uh-huh. I was uh, using the macro feature on my camera then um, to take pictures of the moss on the greens because it was just incredible. I I hadn't really ever seen anything like it and I was up on the practice green just taking moss pictures, some really beautiful moss pictures. That was, that was a year before you uh, became the superintendent mm-hmm. and I was back when I was on my way to Ishigaki in 2013. I stopped by in May and I was back up in June and but um they there was still a lot of moss on those greens in May and June and by the time I was back for the tournament in August in 2013 it was a transformation in how those uh I, the moss was gone the grass was there and it was good but um they were pretty lush that year
1: yeah yeah.
0: and I you did a similar treatment in 2014 <laughs> and or in more. 20 2015 you did a similar treatment I I believe, except when I was rolling the ball making stint meter measurements during the tournament, when I looked closely, I could see I could see visible uh, evidence that holes had been punched at some point. It oh. it wasn't really distracting, but if I looked for it, I could see it. And what I really noticed, because the greens were cut pretty short i think probably you were 2.6 millimeters back then yeah backing and it, off knife. yeah. and then as i would watch i, I wasn't doing the bauble test specifically but as i was watching the ball roll out at the end of the roll i could see it snaking a little bit a little bit mm. of uh deviation left and right and i attributed that to the core i think that was probably a solid time in 2015 probably a solid time that you'd filled the holes with sand but um mm-hmm. that would have been done in early july or mid july yeah mid mid to late
1: July, maybe yeah probably mid mid july yeah
0: and then it's just like you know if you're going to be having a professional televised tournament I, i'm like andrew that's it's just ridiculous that you're that you have to punch these holes and then try to grow it back. And then we've got something that um, somehow I was thinking in 2015, I was like this, maybe it was better in 2014, something like that in terms of the, the rollout. And so we talked about that quite a bit. And then I think the next year you said, heck, I'm not even going to punch the holes. Mm -hmm. So do you try, if I remember right, you tried that in 2016 and, um, you've done coring once since then, since 2015, haven't you? That's
1: right, the pandemic year. Yep, 2020.
0: 2020, when the the tournament was adjusted to be a pro am or something like that. Yeah, it
1: was. Yeah, just a local kind of get together charity tournament.
0: <laughs> and my memory of what happened then was the 2016 tournament The we both thought that the surfaces were the best that they'd been so far and the data uh showed that also because i've been going there with my Clegg to measure the surface firmness and stint meter to measure the green speed and also visually assessing although i wasn't recording the bauble score back then but mm-hmm. um, we agreed in 2016 and you know the players were raving about it and it looks great on tv and um and we both thought it's great but as i think is typical if you're not putting as much sand and not pulling cores or not punching holes there's that concern about like am i doing a disservice to the greens is something bad happening or is something bad potentially going to happen that was that that's not such a pressing concern for me at this point, because I think we have some solutions to deal with that. But back in uh, 2015, 2016, as, as we were getting started with this, that certainly was on my mind.
1: Yeah, I was worried about it as well. I was like, yeah. And th- the management was worried also. Um, can we make it through this the year without verifying? Even surrounding golf course, green keepers were, were saying, are you crazy kind of thing? But I mean, yeah, we we'll just see what happens the first year and and go with it, and, and everything went fine.
0: Every everything went fine, and then you decided you're going to repeat it the next year, which by that time, when I mean, essentially, the results were so good that you felt like you you felt like you had to repeat it the next year repeat meaning not punching any holes right and the the thing is with that dense canopy you in order to get sand into the uh i mean you 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 can't just spread sand over the top no and no. and have it work down so it's not like you can just do dusting or something and have it work well
1: right whenever we put sand down we're doing a pretty aggressive double verticut and then drop down some sand in the ca- canopy
0: right and have you ever have you tried putting the sand first and verticating it in does that do anything in terms of
1: no advantage i don't really understand how that would work because you have to because we're taking up so much material you'd be taking up the sand with it and i'm, I'm just thinking uh yeah we're, we're Yeah. I just don't see how it would be beneficial. Yeah. uh, Like we've, I've put sand down and then solid time, but I've never put sand down and then verticut, but I've seen golf courses that do it. And I'm just thinking, well, you got to pick, you got to take that material out. So maybe they're just grooming. I don't know. To work Mm into the the, the canopy. Maybe I'm not sure, but.
0: Well, um, we've got a couple, uh, people saying hi in the chat, uh, Grant Saunders from New Zealand, uh, Jason from Canada. Hello everybody. And if y'all have any comments or questions, please, uh, anybody watching, go ahead and leave them in the chat and we will address those. So, um, so that leaves us 2016, 2017, start of 2017. I was, uh, at that time, I was like, we need to do something, because I, I was concerned that... time, Hello, Andrew. That's yeah. where we're getting some background noise from yeah. Andrew's location. So, um, <clears throat> the situation in 2016 and 2017 uh, as through that winter uh going into 2017 i was really really worried because you'd skipped a year of punching holes of any sort you hadn't been able to get down nearly as much sand so the amount of sand that you put down was uh was uh, much less than you'd put before and Uh i was concerned that what was going to happen was you're going to be getting that rain that you always get, like you got in 2021, where it rained, was it 800 and 832 or some just absurd amount of rain in a short amount of time right before the tournament. And if you hadn't gotten the sand down or hadn't punched those holes and removed some of the organic matter, I was, I wouldn't say I was terrified, but I was concerned that you and I would both look like fools because... (laughs) All of a sudden during the tournament, you'd get balls plugging or you wouldn't be able to mow the greens because suddenly there, there would be this breakthrough huge amount of organic matter that we hadn't noticed was happening. But all of a sudden with bad weather and rain and time during the tournament, you'd come out and try to double cut and the bed knives would sink in and, and you'd be scalping the greens or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. That was my concern. And I, I didn't want you to look like a fool, and I didn't want to look like a fool, and I didn't want us to be unsuccessful. <clears throat> right. So I, I was aware of what I now call OM246 testing because that's been done in New Zealand for 20 years or possibly more, but I know there was a, a great article by Alex Glasgow about that. I think in the, was it the 2005... International Turfgrass Conference um, Journal. I was was aware of that, and I know it had been done by the STRI in the UK for a number of years. So I was familiar with this testing. I just really hadn't seen the value in it so much myself until this happened, and I was like, you know, we need to do that test. We need to do total organic matter right at the surface, which would be the zero to two centimeter depth. And we need to do that going down a little bit and just see what's happening with the organic matter in the profile, because you just weren't able to do this top dressing so much. And so from spring of 2017, this is a picture from the third green at Kea Golf Club in May, 2017, when we were out there together and we collected those first OM246 samples.
1: Yep. I remember that.
0: And there's there's a question from Grant that I can bring up. Uh, it says, hey, Andrew, did you reduce inputs such as water and nitrogen to reduce organic matter accumulation simultaneously? Mm. Yeah, well...
1: If you'd see our irrigation system, it's kind of difficult to be precise with water. But um, uh, as far as nitrogen, the first couple of years is only two years we really put any effort into, like, getting growth, I think, because the greens weren't exactly where we wanted them to to be at the time. Well, really 2013, I guess. But other than that, we've pretty been constant with their nitrogen, right? Wouldn't you say, Micah?
0: yeah it's been the annual nitrogen has been in the range from nine grams to uh it was about 13 grams in 2013 13 or 14 grams since then you've been 9 to 11 so let's just say it's been about 10 grams of nitrogen per square meter per year which is uh two pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet per year which is uh a hundred grams of nitrogen per uh sorry, one kilogram of nitrogen per 100 square meters or 100 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year. So I I think that handles most of the uh, nitrogen application rate units used around the world. And speaking of around the world, Gary's saying hello from the Philippines. Hello, Gary, good morning. So we've got, uh, yeah, we've got some people we can say good afternoon or good evening and other people we can say good morning. So this is... This is nice to have so many people from around the world here.
1: Yeah, but with with water, I, I wouldn't say so much with water. We we kind of maintain enough moisture in the soil to keep it from uh, drying out. So yeah, I can't really speak so much of with water, but uh, the nitrogen's been pretty constant.
0: Yeah, it's it it's hard to go much lower. I think because from. Let's say twenty thirteen you were pushing it a little bit because you had all that moss and and you needed to mm-hmm. and and you'd cord it, cord it once, solid timed it once, I think. So you mm-hmm. if I remember right, I think you we had to, yeah, maybe cord twice. So you were pushing growth a little bit. And after that, we that then we got on clipping volume and we realized the green speed was much better when the clipping volume was lower. So in order to do that, you were combining nitrogen as low as you could get away with, um, mm-hmm. with heavy doses of plant growth regulator. Right. And so that, that was the <laughs> situation that we were in uh, in 2017, spring of 2017. So we did these tests for the first time. And you've been doing it every spring since so we we now have a six-year time series of with five growing seasons in between of how these tests have been conducted and uh, we're gonna show those results pretty soon which the the results that I want to really pay attention to when I bring these charts up and when we start talking about these numbers is what happened from 2021 to 2022 because that there were tests. um, I'll put this, uh, I'll try to describe uh, what I think is so interesting and why I wanted to actually have this show with you to talk about these results because spring of 2021, you would have had a plan to do verticutting and top dressing twice during the year two sand applications, two verticuttings. And what did happen, um, I remember you, after the first tournament, was that the Landic Challenge? Is that what it's called in, in, or did they rename that? No, it's Landic Challenge. That's right. The Landic Challenge in June. And so you'd done that event, and immediately the week after, if I recall, you verticut the greens and top dress, and then – you sent me the usual text message and some photos and like I hate it when I do this the greens look awful this is I I I can't take it anymore something like that. Right. Yeah. And and I was feeling like oh man is he gonna is he gonna skip that is I I'm still thinking like you need to put sand down and whether it was the weather cuz it did and then it just started raining. And I think you were scared to damage, I mean, to disrupt the greens prior to the tournament. <clears throat> so for whatever reason last year, you never did that second fur to cut and top dress like you typically would have done.
1: You're right. And we we only have like five or six maintenance Mondays during the summertime. So we only have like a couple of chances to do it. Because if we schedule it for that Monday, it's, it's going to happen on that Monday or if might not happen because we're getting closer to the tournament. Mm-hmm. So if it rains on that Monday, then yeah, we're sometimes we might just push it through while players are out there. But it takes like three three days to get that done. So if it doesn't happen on that Monday, then it we just sometimes just skip it, then. and that's what happened basically uh, in twenty twenty one.
0: And and then it rained an extraordinary amount. The right. the, the <clears throat> eight hundred and some millimeters the uh, 32 inches of rain in august up to the tournament so the greens are saturated they'd only been top dressed once in the video that i've recommended everybody to watch which is uh what's the playability on greens that have been top dressed only only one time here's a a clip from that video with uh joe ishikawa after he'd hit a shot on the fifth hole that shows uh, if, you, if you watch that you can see how the ball was reacting which is quite good the ball was still bouncing on the greens um, the playability was was superb and then should we jump into the organic matter because the organic matter actually didn't change the uh, here's the time series I'm gonna hide the chat now Um, I'll still see it and I'll bring it up if we, uh, periodically, but in order to see this chart a little bit better, um, I'll take the chat off the screen and and bring the chart up like this. So everybody can see here's the six organic matter, uh, measurements right at the surface. Mm -hmm. The average for zoysia greens is (coughs) something like, uh, 11 and 11.8 or or 12 percent something like that
1: mm-hmm. a little
0: bit less than 12.3 percent i can see from my chart and if we look at the most recent results right at the right at the surface this is the average of the grains these are the same greens measured every year for consistency because i want to make sure that we're comparing apples to apples the organic matter was in the top two centimeters of the green in April of 2021. And the samples from late February of this year were 12.5%. And I just think it's... uh, It's interesting for me to see that so many places are managing their grass with... What seems like almost constantly putting sand onto them, and mm-hmm. what seems like taking every opportunity there is to disrupt the surface as much as possible in terms of core removal or sand injection or venting and then top dressing and dusting and so on. And this is kind of the opposite of disrupting the surface as little as possible so the surfaces can be maintained really well as a as a playing surface and i know all of that work is done not for the purpose of disrupting the surface but the work is done because people think that it's essential for organic matter management but what we're looking at right here in this chart is exactly organic matter management it's it's uh well it's i mean it's it's organic matter it's it's a precise test to measure the total organic matter and uh even with no coring, no solid tine, single top dressing event. That's that's constant. Um, Did that surprise you, Andrew? Or, I mean, how's the playability over the last year? That, like, if we talk about this twenty twenty one to to now um, time frame.
1: Oh, it's been great. I have no issues at all. Um, firmness is there. Uh, the grass is healthy. Um, yeah we'll do the same thing this year. I'm sure. I mean, we'll, we'll schedule two top dressings after their tournament, but if we get them in or not, you know what? We
0: probably will only do one, but yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, these, these results can certainly be reassuring about what, what's going on. um, And that's what, what's been so interesting for me Looking at these results is this is right at the surface, the zero to two centimeters. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's zero. that zero <clears throat> is the surface, and that in inches is just zero point eight inches. So that's less than the top inch of the root zone. Oh. If we go down just a little bit deeper, just one more depth increment of two centimeters, and look at the two to four centimeter depth, you've actually, this wouldn't be statistically significant. But uh, I was going to say you've gone down uh, from 2017 to now with remember that's, uh, if we look at 2017 to 2018, that would have been two top dressing events two verticuttings. cuttings 2018 to 2019. Same 2019 to 2020. Same 2020 had the coring and 2021 had the single top dressing. Uh And so you're, you were 3.5% organic matter to start and you're at 3.4 now. So Uh we could, we could say it went down, but basically it's just flat. If that's happening just a little bit below the surface, then the question is, why would you ever punch a hole for the purpose of trying to change the, to inject sand, to, to get sand, to get organic matter out? at that depth. And we're not talking about anywhere deep in the root zone. This is, this is less than one, this is less than 1.6 inches, less than four centimeters from the, from the surface. Mm -hmm. Why would you ever need to put sand down there? If the organic matter is just constant.
1: I agree. If we ever core again, it will, it will be just the top two to three centimeters that we pull out and then drop sand back in those holes. No doubt.
0: And let's go down one more increment, because this OM246 the, is total organic matter at the—I um, I think I've got a definition of it I can bring up on the screen—OM246, if you want more information about it, you can check this hashtag, uh, It's uh, or or go to my website where I've got a project page about this. This is total organic material measurement at zero to two, two to four, and four to six centimeter depths below the surface. If we go down to the four to six centimeter depth, look what's happened with the organic matter over time there. It started at 3% and it was really flat up to 2020 and it's now down to 2.2. And I would say that likely uh is significantly different Uh because maybe i'm not used to you're not pushing what
1: it's it's a joke (laughs) (laughs) but no i've seen roots bottom of the cup so that's not
0: (laughs) oh but you roots yeah i I didn't hear what you said after pushing yeah Um, i'm sorry yeah no I think your roots are 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 impressive, Andrew. You, I think we saw one out of the bottom of the cup cutter sometimes. No,
1: it, it's interesting that it, that the organic matter would go down that that deep, and we're not really doing anything there.
0: I think what's I think what's happening is the organic matter breaks down naturally, um, because the I mean, that just happened. That's what organic matter does. So, All right. And then if we look, if we combine those three depths, adjust for the bulk density differences in the different depths, we can look at what the total organic material is from the surface down to that six centimeter depth, which is 2.4 inches, which is nothing, basically. If we look at that, then we have something that started at 5.3% and it's it's now at 5.4%. And in that critical year, that is kind of the focus of my thought here. When you only did the single sand top dressing event, it went from 5.7 to 5.4, which Uh so it's basically, let's just consider it flat. It didn't change. And that leads, it, it certainly gives the confidence that for your greens, at least this, uh, it's obviously working. So that does that remember what we were thinking after 2016, going into 2017, when we first started doing this testing, Andrew, Uh and we, we had the idea that we needed to check something to make sure nothing was accumulating at depth in the root zone um that organic matter was not changing in a way that might be causing us problems in the future and it's turned out that this test has been so reassuring in Uh that way because we're able to see um we're able to see these results um, what's going on there right yeah and and if it was changing in a then we would find a way to deal with it. But because it's just staying flat basically, and the surfaces continue to perform so well, then I feel like we don't really need to need to be concerned with it.
1: Yeah. And I think most clubs management might be like, heck yeah, no, no aeration we can do with that. But ours was kind of the other way around. They were more worried about not airifying and what's going to happen to the greens and, um, can we make it through the year without aerifying? And I've been able to show them our what we're doing by measuring the the OM and whatnot, and it's been reassuring to them that we're, you know, we're not just doing this just winging it. We're actually looking at the data and, and making sure we're not getting in any areas we we could that would cause concern with the buildup of the organic matter. So it's been reassuring to them as well.
0: And. I think it's also been because you have the tournaments, the, the professional golfers are assessing the quality of the surfaces on a regular basis. And they're out there for practice rounds and stuff too. And then plus we're doing the data collection during the tournaments and you're doing regular data collection about green speed also. And Mm -hmm. then we do that pretty intensive measurement of the, surface hardness with the Clegg hammer during the tournament weeks. And because of that, um, you're not just checking that the soil conditions in terms of organic matter are keeping relatively consistent, but it's also something where we're measuring the playability, listening to what the pros are saying, and you're getting that, um, reassurance from your own assessment from, what the pros are assessing in terms uh-huh. of playability and from the tools and the measurements that you're making formally.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: <clears throat> so anybody in the chat, go ahead. I've I brought that back up on the screen. So if anybody has some new questions or comments, please, uh, type them. Now I'm done showing any of my, uh, charts and showing those results um unless somebody has a question and i need to bring that back up so i would like to ask you 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 hinted that you're probably going to do the same thing you're going to schedule two top dressings you're going to
1: in my mind i want to do two top dressings after this tournament in three weeks but um i just got the feeling that we'll probably do one it just depends really on how the weather goes and and I don't know, I just kind of feel it out as we move closer to the tournament. <clears throat> but yeah, we'll do, we'll schedule two. And whether we do it or not, it'll just depend on on the conditions.
0: Now for the hard okay. questions. Okay. This seems like it works pretty good at KEA. Um, okay. Y- <clears throat> you've managed bank grass before, you've worked for a multi uh, course. Uh, uh, a company that, that managed turf on, on managed the maintenance on multiple golf courses, um, you've been a golf course superintendent at single properties before in the past with primarily bent grass. Uh-huh. Um, let's just say in, in Japan, when you managed bent grass in say 2007, uh-huh. uh, was it a twice a year coring venting through the summer top dressing? Six, eight, twelve times a year. Well, yeah what, what did you do?
1: basically we would uh, in the beginning we would core Air five spring and fall and maybe do two solid times during the year. Top dressing in Japan is kind of tough. There's not really the maintenance Mondays that you have in the US so um, we, we would say we wanted to top dress, but we didn't maybe once a month we'd go out there and do a light top dressing. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was kind of the, the thought process with that. But as I would say that was 2007, maybe around 2010, 11, a lot of golf courses started moving to just core airifying in the spring. Um, doing a few light top dressings during the, the season. And then maybe a solid time in, in the fall, they got away from the core airifying in the fall. And, um, but yeah, if you were to ask me now, what would I do? Is that what, is that your next question?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm leading up to getting your opinion about whether this would work at other places, um, or whether it only works at Kaia. Um.
1: Uh, because. Zoysia grass is thriving during the summertime. My, my, my initial thoughts were, were okay, the grass is healthy and, and growing or thriving during the summertime, so it's not that big of an issue. Bent grass, you're trying to almost baby it through the summer, right? So my initial thoughts were, would be, oh, we've got to at least coerify in the spring just to get a jump into the summer, but now i'll be like um maybe it's better not to even do anything and just have good surfaces throughout the year and because yeah now it seems like it would be the most logical thing to do but yeah I,
0: yeah i i see I this i see this testing uh as a way to figure out what is going to work for any facility because well, if ask yourself
1: why you're airifying right
0: Yeah, what are you trying to accomplish if uh, I look at this as saying, um, I look at this, the results that you've gotten is saying it for your facility, at least the organic matter stays relatively stable without coring without solid tining, just by keeping the growth under control and just putting a tiny amount of sand. And that may not be the case at every facility, but by doing this testing at your facility, you're able to identify that. And then the question is, why would you do anything else if you don't have to?
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. Just, just always ask yourself why you're doing something. And like you always say, justify what you're doing and then go from there.
0: Because this in, in the situation that we're talking about today, it's, it's apparent that you for this property it's not necessary to put so much sand but this Hmm. testing is going to identify very clearly if you need to put more sand it's going to identify very clearly if the organic matter is accumulating and if if we would look at what was happening from 2017 to 2018 to 2019 the organic matter was accumulating a bit Um, especially at the zero to two centimeter depth. And it seems like that one coring that you did in 2020 and real attention to the growth rate um, for whatever reason, the organic matter is down a bit now, but it's something that we've talked about where I've suggested that maybe you do nothing for like four years, do something like the Olympics where every four years you, uh, you do some type of, um disruptive uh process that allows you to get some sand down in there
1: yeah that's what we're thinking but maybe that doesn't even happen we'll we'll, yeah we'll just assess that at the time
0: yeah we'll. it's we've certainly changed i've certainly changed what i was thinking since 2013 when i was like core it as much as possible put as much sand down as you can
1: yeah
0: grant's got another question um could you read that and then respond to it, Andrew? Oh, can you see it?
1: Yeah, kind of. Have you come across anything that could be viewed as negative by adopting this strategy? I can't. Um, I I can't think of anything that has been. If anything were negative, I think I would do it. Uh, I would. I would core or change my my. Thought process. No, I can't think of anything negative. You, Can you
0: no but I remember um you used to be concerned about infiltration rate. Okay and I remember you mentioned to me that you were concerned that if you didn't punch any holes, that the water would uh stay on the surface too much. Mm-hmm. Um which, um, you, you haven't mentioned that. I'm, I, I told, I don't think I was so concerned about it. You were concerned about it. Um, I think you, I, you, I, you mentioned it to me.
1: Yeah. I think at the time I was thinking about all the negative things that could happen, uh, if we stopped core aerifying and things like that, not stopped top dressing as much. Um, so when I did kind of, think something was going the wrong way i would think oh gosh maybe it's because we didn't core air or something I, uh, yeah and it wasn't like we were uh measuring that it was just something that just popped into my mind yeah you but,
0: you mentioned it and i was like well your bunkers are going to be by the time the water uh by the time the greens are unplayable there's other areas of the course that are unplayable right. And so I was like what what actually is the concern here?
1: Right, yeah. So Which, it's yeah. I agree. Nobody's going to be playing golf when it's raining that hard anyway.
0: Yeah. I I agree. It's the so it it that hasn't been an issue, but that certainly was a concern. It was a
1: concern. right.
0: Um and yeah, it's it's not like I think the conditions have been really consistent in terms of firmness and in terms of, you know, you don't, you, it's not like we're just measuring this test and it's showing that the organic matter is the same, but in reality, you've got thatch out there and the mowers, the bed knives are sinking down, um, or the ball marks are getting worse or anything. I mean, that's, I think that the test results in in your case are lined up pretty well with what's being seen in terms of how the surfaces are performing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So now in the
1: it could be different when they got a year round tropical climate. Um, you grow, your growth. You're growing year round, right?
0: Yeah, so right. Gary, Gary from the Philippines uh, made a comment. He said this is uh, this is very essential to me. Since I'm transitioning to zoysia, um, Gary's in the Philippines, which is tropical. So that's going to be like August weather in Fukuoka. It would be very similar um, temperature-wise to August in Fukuoka. So imagine if you had August for 12 consecutive months and you're growing zoysia grass. But here's here's where i I'm coming from, and I don't have a lot of data i I can't prove this, but uh-huh. um, there's there's some logic behind it soil microbial activity and decomposition of organic matter happens faster it happens a lot faster at higher temperatures mm-hmm. and It also happens when you have enough water in the root zone and you have a nice balance of air and uh, water in the soil. It it doesn't happen in dry soils. It doesn't happen in saturated soils. It happens in soils that tend to be like what we have on golf course putting greens that are irrigated to prevent drought and otherwise manage to have as much air space as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you take those temperatures, now you get the the most rapid possible decomposition rate that you could possibly have. So I look at it as if you don't punch holes and you don't, um, and you, then you don't have to push it with nitrogen to recover from the damage that's being inflicted by the maintenance activities. Uh I think there's some opportunity, even in a tropical environment for, the organic matter to stay constant. Mm. Okay. That's, that's what I think. So, um, for example, if we would look at, um, well, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything that can prove this, but, uh, maybe it, if I was in Gary's case, working with Zoja, I would be, looking at minimizing the nitrogen application rate yeah. because I, that, that you. leads to better putting surfaces anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: At least with zoysia. So with zoysia, you don't have to worry about anthracnose with some of the cool season grasses. If you cut the nitrogen on a uh, low cut turf too much, um, you'll get a, a disease called anthracnose, which is of particular concern under low nitrogen conditions and there's also the dollar spot issue that you'll get on cool season turf if you cut the nitrogen too much um the diseases that you'd see with zoysia in the summertime under low nitrogen conditions would be dollar spot and i don't really see curvularia, which is called dog's footprint in japan or Inu no Ashiato. Yeah, and,
1: or cooler uh, wet weather.
0: That's that's like wet weather. It's not such a nitrogen-affected uh, disease. No. So you'd have dollar spot, which is relatively easy to control uh, with fungicides in Japan. And it's it's never really been a huge problem on, on any of your surfaces at Kea, has it? No. Because the nice thing that you'd have in a tropical environment also uh, is... If you do have all that mineralization of organic matter decomposition of organic matter that happens under high temperature conditions the nice thing about that is that's releasing plant available nitrogen too in some if you have too much organic matter in the soil that's problematic because it it's releasing so much nitrogen so that helps you with some of your low nitrogen um, or low growth rate um disease uh challenges Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, this, this is just. It certainly worked out in a bit of an unexpected way for me. And now it's it's been six years. I was, I was talking with John Kaminsky at the Masters tournament, and we were talking about what's happened at Hazeltine with Chris Tridiball, who's been managing in this way. But he's he's been measuring these test results since two thousand nineteen, mm-hmm. um, and really. Um, so he's got the 2019, 2020, and 2021 growing seasons to look at. And his organic matter, where he's been cutting back on the amount of disruptive work that he'd done and cutting back on the quantity of sand top dressing that he'd been applying at Hazeltine and, and getting great results that he's been documenting. Uh-huh. In fact, in a couple of the um, of these office hours shows, Chris and I have talked about this. Well, when I was talking with Dr. John Kaminsky, who's a professor at Penn state university, I was talking with him about this and he was just kind of dismissing it in a way. But I mean, that's the way scientists talk is, is we have to try to pick out the weak points in, in arguments. And Uh he's just saying, well, sure. That could work for one year. Sure. It'll work for a couple of years, but, uh, it's not going to work over the long term because he's still thinking about this is something that it's really essential to get sand down into the soil profile which is a good argument for him to be making but I think it, at Hazeltine it's obviously worked for three growing seasons, four years of sampling and I think you make an even the data that we have for Kea. it's even a stronger argument because it's it's a longer time so at some point we don't have to get um we have just finished academic proof from here, that's of <laughs> we don't we don't have to get proof of something uh in a controlled environment so much when it's, it's just working year after year after year after year and it just works then we know it works we don't we don't really have to prove anything You're right <coughs> so, <coughs> so i agree Um, Grant has a couple more comments. You want to read? Uh, I'll, I'll read that. Let's see. Grant says, I tend to think that one mistake that can be made when going low end is to do so by extending application intervals. My feeling is that frequency almost needs to be increased as amounts reduced. Um, yeah, that, um. I, I think in terms of nitrogen fertilizer, uh, in, in terms of fertilizer of, of any type grass, um, if it's growing, it's using, it's using the quantity of nutrients that match its growth rate on that day. Mm -hmm. So ideally you'd fertilize every day in tiny doses to match the amount that the grass is growing. That's not really realistic, but, uh, I think. His, his next comment, he says, uh, longer intervals reduce vigor and position surfaces more susceptible to disease, boa, etc. Thoughts? Hmm.
1: Yeah. What we normally do is maybe weekly, seven every ten days is about point 0. 0, uh, zero 0.5 grams of nitrogen per square meter is our basic routine that we kind of do. Obviously, I, I checked The conditions and and go from there but that's yeah and we're we're only applying ammonium sulfate or urea we're melting that down and applying that so zero granulars i mean we've i think we talked about this earlier we we applied a granular i can't remember the year but that was because for some reason that year that it was kind of we had some weak spots and so we wanted to kind of push them a little bit and we applied a granular but other than that we We do not apply any granular fertilizers.
0: Yeah, it's it's something that you also have that mineralization happening during the summer. Uh Um, The people sometimes ask about the greens construction method there. Then, and there are a lot of different green construction methods there because some of them have been. redone over the years but it's all sand based root zones but they're not usga greens is that right yeah and
1: the longer intervals we but we go we go like five to six weeks without any nitrogen before a tournament
0: but it's your hottest time of the year when you get all that mineralization right and with the amount of organic matter that you have in the soil um yeah it's, it's not that much it's not yeah, it's not a huge amount of mineralization expected, but um uh, yeah, I, I think that's what that's what pushes the organic matter down in the soil. Uh-huh. That's why you're seeing at the four to six centimeter depth that the organic matter goes down because um you you are applying just enough to keep the grass creeping along and maintaining the surface. Uh-huh. And it's the maybe the exact interval length and the exact amounts are are not going to translate exactly to a bentgrass surface or a Bermuda grass surface, but I think the same principle applies because you're measuring the clipping volume and you're looking at you know for your greens what a good clipping volume is for everyday play for for certain times of the year and for tournament conditions, mm-hmm. and you're trying to manage that. So if it's not growing enough you you're able to bump up the nitrogen or ink or shorten the application intervals. And Mm -hmm. when it, and the reason why I think you're able to go five weeks from late July until early September, typically in a typical year without applying nitrogen is you're measuring the clipping volume and it's always growing more than you want. (laughs) <laughs> going right. into the tournament, and because right. of that, you just keep withholding the nitrogen. But I'm sure if it stopped growing, if you got no clipping volume on August 10th, I reckon you'd uh, you'd get a, a little shot of urea out there.
1: Most likely, yeah, just a just a little boost.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So that's um, yeah, that uh, that's a good point, and yeah, you can't just like starve. Mm-hmm. The grass for too long and expect it to perform well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Good questions. Yeah, this is. Yeah, th- this is something that I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm. I feel like I talk about this too much, and I write about it too much, and I speak about it at seminars too much, but then. It's twenty twenty-two. We're having this conversation in twenty twenty-two and I go and play golf and I'm I'm playing on putting greens that are covered in sand and have just been aerified. And then I go visit other golf courses and I still see blemishes on the greens from all the holes that have been punched, and there's still sand. And then I'll go take stint meter measurements at another group course and i'll be there early in the morning and the greens are a little bit wet and i'm like damn it i need why did i forget my towel because i need a towel to wipe all the sand off of these balls that's sticking to the balls because the greens have recently been top dressed so there's there's still these situations where it's very normal in the industry to still be putting so much sand and still be punching so many holes and it may be essential, but I just can't think that it's as essential as as it people seem to think it is because uh, yeah. and you
1: see people kind of like boasting over putting top dressing out or verifyifying the greens or something
0: when, and and yet it's like are they documenting like what effect is it actually having? which is mm-hmm. the shocking thing for me is when you top dress once, the organic matter just stayed constant mm-hmm. so, it's like it's great if if that work is essential, then I commend everybody for doing it. Uh, and the the question that I have though is is, are you documenting just like what are you accomplishing by by all of this? Um, and if the purpose is to reduce organic matter, then I would like to be measuring that and and documenting what's really happening. I, I guess one more reason why this could be working so well at Kea, and it might be a challenge at other properties, and there are other uh, places that have done the OM246 testing, and and as we do that, it's been typical. I mean, it's at some places, you'll see that it, the organic matter just goes up and up and up, um, and then it's like, hmm, maybe maybe my recommendation would be to do more get more sand down or, or do something to deal with this organic matter that seems to be going up. One of the reasons why it may be so stable at Kaya is just the maturity of the greens. Um, that this is on greens that are let's so you know the greens that we're typically measuring in the set, which now it's three, four, nine, uh-huh. 11, 15. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, three yep. is a relatively new green, maybe so, 12 to 15 years
0: old. Mm-hmm, okay. But n- nine is the one with the most organic matter, and that's actually Not, a relatively new one, too. That's maybe 20 years old?
1: Mm, yeah, 20, maybe maybe a little bit more. 25, yeah. Um,
0: 11 probably is... Hadn't been touched in a long, long time. It's Yeah. But they're all... Yeah, you would think that once the organic matter accumulates to a certain point in the soil, it becomes a little bit more stable. Um, And I could see if your greens are two years old, three years old, four years old, um, probably the organic matter is just going to accumulate until it reaches some kind of um, static level. And your Uh greens are... It's it's not like all your grains are, are 58 years old, because you've got some that have been rebuilt fairly recently. So, yeah. Um, but that oh, is something that's come to my mind. Yeah. We've got another uh, comment here. Does mineralization decrease as temperatures increase over a certain value, like growth potential does? Um, my answer to that is not within the range of temperatures that we see on the planet earth. Um, Because I think you get, we're talking about soil temperatures here uh, for mineralization. We're talking about the microbial activity in the soil and you, you would see an increase up to about 40 degrees, I think. And anything over anything over 40 degrees Um, you wouldn't really see that. Certainly, I mean, maybe in the Middle East or or certain places, if the soil was dry enough, then the soil temperature would be higher. But in in most places in the world that are cultivating grass and irrigating, uh, so the soil has a bit of water in it, the soil temperature is not going to be higher than anything in the 30 degrees celsius range so we're we're talking about soil temperatures um of just over a hundred degrees fahrenheit and no um the mineralization is going to continue increasing up to that point point. and i think some something over 40 degrees celsius something over a hundred and uh 110 degrees fahrenheit or something which are n- not soil temperatures that actually happen um above those levels, I would be concerned about the mineralization, uh, decreasing. Not in hopefully not reaching those type of soil temperatures in our lifetimes. (laughs) All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me on ATC office hours today about this, Andrew. And I, I, I appreciate everybody who joined us in the live stream. If you got any more questions, go ahead and and let us know. And otherwise I imagine there will be a number of people listening to this or watching it on demand uh, in the future. So uh, yeah, we're just presenting the information um, that surprises us too. I, I did not expect this to happen. I, I was speaking in Ireland at the, atpi conference in early march and i pulled a slide that i'd used in a presentation in 2014 about organic matter management i'd i i'd given a presentation in 2014 about organic matter management and in my presentation at the conference in ireland this year i showed that slide and i said here's what i was thinking back in 2014 here's what i was recommending and i was recommending the stuff that I'm, let's, okay, I'm disparaging it a little bit, or I'm questioning whether it's necessary, which is remove through coring or through other intensive disruption of the surface from 15 to 20% of the surface area per year. Uh And apply through sand top dressing a minimum of 12 millimeters of sand per year. And ideally, you'll be closer to 15 millimeters of sand, which is 40 to 50 cubic feet of sand per thousand square feet, and it's a it's a tremendous amount of sand and a tremendous amount of surface disruption. And th- those are some standard recommendations which I've changed now, and now I say do what's necessary at your facility, and I find the combination of measuring the total organic matter by depth, what I call OM246 testing, combined with regular assessments of playability of the surface. If you combine those two things, you're able to dial in for your facility if you need to do that, do more than that, or do less. And I mentioned in Ireland, as I showed that slide, that I was—I mean, it—it was—it's absurd for me now, eight years later, to think that I used to recommend for basically every everywhere in the world that this is a blanket approach, that uh, just a standard approach that everybody should follow, and now I'm very site-specific, saying you should assess the conditions at your facility assess what's going on at your facility keep track of how much sand you're applying and how much disruption you're doing and then do exactly what's necessary at your facility to create the maximum number of days in the year with excellent putting surfaces all right andrew any closing comments before we end this conversation
1: no, I don't have anything. Um, I mean, does this, this all worked for us. I would think it would be something that everybody would would at least look into and and try to do something similar to to, to make the playing conditions better on a daily basis. I think it work for everybody
0: right. And you're it it it's not. It's not really safe to do this, I don't think. And by that, I mean, like, cut drastically back on the sand top dressing and just stop coring. We're not saying, like, just try this. What Do you agree with me that it's a system of measure the playability carefully, make sure that your firmness is not dropping yeah. precipitously, sure. Um, make sure you're not scalping the greens because they're so thatchy, and make sure that you're testing the organic matter in an accurate way to see what's happening at certain levels of the certain depths of the root zone
1: yeah you have to get your greens to the point to where you can do this and then it then it works i think
0: Mm -hmm. but the greens you're
1: ready for it now but you can get them that way to where it would work
0: and is clipping vol is uh is clipping volume related to this in terms of uh let's see how should i phrase it assessing the growth and just being aware of the growth do you think that's helpful in reassuring to you that that i i mean i i guess it could be helpful in a way um
1: Uh, yeah if if i'm just starting out it would be i've done it for so many years now that i kind of just know i don't even kind of it's in the back of my head but um Yes, yeah, starting out, it would be helpful, I think.
0: Anybody who wants to follow along with these results and see what happens this year, uh, Andrew might send a couple tweets this summer, uh, maybe around some of the tournaments. You can follow Andrew on Twitter. Uh, he is at drew d r u m c turf. Uh-huh. You can you can follow him on Twitter. He he. He will tweet uh, some of the conditions, um, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Asian Turfgrass. I'm at Asian grass and you can uh, I a- anything that's related to this. But we try not to show too many examples from Kea, actually, because I've I've shown so much that I I don't want to saturate and overload people with too many anecdotes from this particular property so i tried to show um, and explain things from other locations also but um andrew does have a professional tournament coming up in a few weeks and then he'll have the kbc augusta tournament at the end of august so with those two professional events we'll probably have a chance to see some uh, Television coverage, which they typically will stream some of that on YouTube, so people from around the world will have a chance to watch how the balls react on the greens. Um, and you, if you do that, I'll tweet it out, or Andrew will tweet it out, or or we'll share it on Facebook or on my blog or something. And you can see for yourself that on greens that have been top dressed once and have twelve percent organic matter. Um, that was relatively constant with the organic matter that had a year previously and a year prior to that and so on that this maintenance practice does seem to to work okay or not so if you see the balls plugging on the greens and stuff you can figure Micah and Andrew are probably going to be thinking about how they can change what they're doing to fix it so that's that's what we're thinking and that's probably what we'll be sharing coming up all right everybody that's uh that's about everything that i wanted to talk about so thank you so much for joining us Um, especially thanks everybody who joined us live for this and uh, thanks grant for so many interesting questions and comments i know you've been doing this testing down uh, in new zealand and I'm excited to see it's it's coming up to the uh, winter season in New Zealand. And I know that's when it would be typical to do this type of testing uh, down there. So Grant may have some results uh, from his o m two four six testing to share in uh, in a couple months. And I think I'm going to be speaking down there at a conference in August, so I may have a chance to discuss that and and get some more information myself about how that technique is typically applied in that part of the world. So I'm really looking forward to that. And the reason why I keep talking about this uh, is because uh, I think it's so useful. It's so potentially useful for so many places. So thank you, Andrew. Thanks everybody who joined us. Thanks everybody who uh, is listening and watching this uh, later. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time on the next uh, ATC Office Hours. You want to say goodbye, Andrew?
1: Goodbye. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: thank, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. All right, everybody. Thanks. Gary, thank you. Thanks, everybody who joined. Thanks, everybody who watched. And uh, check out asianturfgrass.com. Uh, for more information about this and check out the om246 hashtag. All right, everybody. Bye-bye.